0: to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 29th of December 2013, entitled Celebrating the Birth of Christ, and the Bible reading is taken from Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I'm going to take just one verse for our reading this morning. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. I invite you to stand to read to honor the reading of God's holy word as we read Matthew 121. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Father, we do thank you again today. And Lord, we thank you that, uh, Lord, as we gather here uh, in your house and we Lord, sing about and and read about those events of of that first Christmas when your son came into this world. Lord, we pray that you would meet with us at this time. Uh, Help us, Lord. We know that uh, we are weak vessels, and we know that uh, without you that uh, we are nothing and we can do nothing. Uh, But we pray in these next moments here, Lord, that you would take and uh, by your grace and through the power of your Spirit uh, that you would speak to us through your Word and we'll give you all the praise and honor for it. For it's in Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. Simple thought this morning entitled Celebrating the Birth of Christ. Celebrating the Birth of Christ. It's interesting because, of course, with all the well intentions in the world, there's an awful lot of controversy around uh, Christmas and the celebrating of Christmas, and uh, and of course, most of it all done with the best of intentions, and uh, uh, amazing how that uh, as Christians, we can seem to be controversial over just about anything that, uh, that we want to, uh, but I guess that uh, we think today that uh, uh, the controversies can range from one spectrum to the other uh, because they're of course, are many that uh, uh, would think that the problem with around Christmas is that the world is trying to take Christ out of Christmas, uh, that all too often uh, that the celebrations get caught up in uh, all of the lights and all of the tinsel and all of the trees and all of the presents and all of these things, uh, but that uh, when it comes to uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, one of the things that many Christians stand and speak boldly out about is uh, the reality that in the world, uh, many times they do try to remove it. They try to make it just another winter festival, if you would. Uh, and uh, uh, manger scenes not allowed because that uh, might be offensive to some. Uh, as a matter of fact, anything that would point us to the person of Jesus Christ uh, being removed and taken away so that the uh, the celebrations don't center around Christ, uh, but they center around just people having a grand old time uh, during the dark, cold winter months. Uh, and of course, you've got all kind of things in between, but then uh, uh, the other extreme, still still Christians, some wanting to do more to, uh, if you would, to emphasize Christ and to to celebrate with Christ at the center of all, and while at the other end there are those that would, uh, uh, would not want to celebrate Christmas at all, uh, they do not feel that it's something that Christians should do. Uh, they feel that it's something that is a worldly event, and they would point back to, I guess, many uh, pagan celebrations of bygone years that uh, uh, they think that Christmas has just spurned out of. And so for sometimes Christians, they look around and they say, well, what in the world is right? Uh, you know, what is Christmas all about? Should we be celebrating Christmas? And if we are, how should we celebrate Christmas? So this morning, I just want to give you a few facts. I guess that I'm not, and I don't mean this in any kind of a facetious way. I'm not as smart as some people. I've had many people that have tried to take chapter and verse and prove to me that we should celebrate Christmas, and others that have taken chapters and verses to try to prove that we shouldn't celebrate Christmas, but I've never found a chapter or verse anywhere in God's Word that spells out to us that we should or should not celebrate this thing called Christmas, or if you would, as Christians, celebrating the birth of Christ. And I think that uh, my uh, first comment would be that uh, one of the things about Christmas, uh, whether you celebrate it or whether you don't, uh, one of the, the central focuses of Christmas is supposed to be love and sharing, uh, showing our care and our thoughts for, for, for one another. Uh, it is a time when uh, uh, families that are separated by hundreds and even thousands of miles, sometimes just across town, uh, but the families come together. The families have a, a time together, again, uh, a time of just sharing their love one for another. So I would encourage us as Christians, first of all, uh, to be respectful. You see, I recognize and realize that uh, I may not have all the answers, and I'll make my own choices as far as Christmas and what our family will do. But by the same token, I feel that one of the things that, uh, that should be essential in every Christian's heart is that we should show that love and that care for others, the respect for their views, if they choose not to celebrate Christmas and believe that uh, uh, that they are uh, walking better in their Christian life by doing that, then we need to respect that. And and it would be wrong for us to try to force the celebration of Christmas upon them. Uh, by the same token, if, uh, if you're one of those that chooses not to celebrate Christmas, uh, then I would encourage you to show that same grace and love and patience towards others that choose to. This is not A fundamental issue. It is not something that we can go to chapter and verse, and so therefore uh, we read God's Word and we choose, we make our choices. It is a very personal thing that we should come down through. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time this morning, uh, which there are so many writings. I'm not sure how much you might have seen or heard or read before, Uh, but for those Christians that believe that that Christmas has uh, its celebration, Uh, within uh, uh, pagan roots, uh, then I would say to you that, uh, you know, if we look at almost anything, any celebration that we have, we could go back and try to prove that it had pagan roots if we wanted to uh, because the pagans have always celebrated. Uh, Let me just remind you, and I'm not even going to go through a list of all of them, but uh, there are also many of those pagan celebrations, not only in the holidays that we celebrate, But, you know, many of those pagan religions also had something very akin to what we do every time that we come around and celebrate the Lord's table. Uh, There are some of those pagan religions that did that thing. Well, that doesn't make it wrong for us to do so. And we know that the Lord Jesus Christ, in that specific case, He gave it to us and told us to do it. But at the same time, uh, there were certainly pagan religions out there that were doing similar things, if you would, that uh, we could go back and say, well, no, we shouldn't because it has its pagan roots here and there. Uh, we could look at many things that uh, that take place in our Christian lives. And and so I would say, first of all, that we need to be very careful uh, because there are certainly, uh, if we go back in history, we can find that most of mankind in most parts of the world have had some kind of winter celebrations, winter festivals, if you would. And one thing that we must say for certain is that Having a festival is not wrong. Uh, that I can go to the Bible, and I can show you that uh, uh, God himself instituted many festivals for his people to come together uh, for certain things to be thought on, certain things to be looked at, certain things uh, to be dealt with, certain things to be celebrated in many cases, and to give thanks for the things that uh, that God had done. So it is not wrong for us as Christians to have festivals and to celebrate but as we begin to look back, we say, well, you know, many times the festivals of the winter with, with all the peoples of the world have come right after that shortest day of the year when when you find that the days have gotten shorter, the days have gotten colder, and people's spirits tend to uh, to dip. And, uh, and so people have looked for something to celebrate that would lift people's spirits once again. Were there some of those festivities taking place? We know that to know you can't go to the Bible and you can't find any prohibition against celebrating the birth of Christ. You can't go to the Bible and you can't by the same token find any celebration of His birth after the date that He was actually celebrated when He did come into this world. There were certainly some celebrations then. We know that uh, it was later, probably a couple hundred years down the the path of the Christian church before that uh, uh, celebrations began to, uh, to take place. Uh, we also know, as with many of our Christian holidays and celebrations, that uh, they don't specifically coincide with a date on the calendar because we don't know those things. Uh, we can't look and say that Jesus Christ was born on December 25th because as we look in Scripture, God didn't ch- choose to give us a particular date that the Lord Jesus Christ was, was born on. If you look at many of the things that we do know, uh, many would uh, would tend to believe that it was most likely not in the middle of the winter, Uh, that he was born because it would have uh, not been the normal things for shepherds to be out there in the the fields watching their flocks and many of the things that were taking place. The thing is, a lot of it is supposition, and we don't know. And so, you know, you can probably take one of 365 days on the calendar and choose that one, and you may be just as close as anybody else in the world. And I'm not going to try to figure out what God didn't choose to tell us. So we're not celebrating a date. Uh, And it is true that in the early days when many Christians began to celebrate the birth of Christ, uh, they did choose. They did have a lot of pagans celebrating a lot of these ungodly things around them all the time, and so they chose that uh, they would rather celebrate something. It was a good time to have a festival, a celebration. But if there was anything that uh, if you look at many of these, even uh, in the Jewish traditions, Again, it's, it's, it's been later in years when they started celebrating Hanukkah, which is known as uh, a festival of lights. Uh, we find that uh, uh, even in their celebration of that in many parts of the world, uh, they celebrate in some of the same ways as far as the, uh, uh, the lights and the lighting of the candles and the giving of gifts and those things, uh, though they are celebrating uh, a tabernacle, a temple that uh, uh, was rebuilt, that was restored to them, that was given back to them after it had been taken from them. Uh, whereas we are celebrating the birth of Christ, but many of the similarities come in there. Uh, we find that uh, as we begin to scratch our heads and ask ourselves a lot of questions, uh, I would simply say to you this morning that uh, as we begin to look that there was an event that took place in the Word of God. and It wasn't called Christmas. and We know that uh, that term in itself came from uh, a mass that was that was uh, originally being held by the churches in celebration of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that the time of year that uh, it was done, but we could do the same thing with most of the celebrations on our Christian calendar. Uh, let's face it, we have a New Testament church. The festivals and the celebrations of the Old Testament, the festivals were good, and they were there for a purpose uh, those things were all in some way or another effectively pointing to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, which we celebrate when we celebrate this holiday, the birth of Him into this world. So We find as we begin to look into the New Testament there, there was much celebration over His entrance into this world. And whether or not that we should continue to celebrate, I can only say to you that uh, uh, that I believe, from uh, from certainly from uh, uh, my own studies and and, and convictions, that uh, it cannot be a bad thing uh, to celebrate uh, the birth of our Savior into this world. Uh, and by the same token, if there are those that choose not to celebrate, then I'm not going to be upset with you. I'm not going to think that you are less spiritual than I. I'm not going to even think that I'm right and that you're wrong. Uh, I think that it's a worthy festival to celebrate. And as we look at the event, I would simply like to say that I believe that our focus must come back to celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, and the, the time of year that we choose to celebrate that, it's just one that's been stamped down in history for all kinds of reasons, but we don't even proclaim to pretend that we have to do it on that date because we believe that that's the date that it took place. We're simply saying that we believe that there was a worthy event, that uh, certainly uh, if Christians have something to celebrate over, uh, God sending His Son into this world is a very worthy celebration. Of course, we find that uh, as we approach the days that uh, that you and I live in, the controversies will continue. Uh, There are many that would like to go back to just a winter festival, uh, a drunken time, a partying time, a time that had anything whatsoever to do with anything except the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I happen to be one of those that I prefer to keep the celebration focused around Jesus Christ. Uh, and I would hope and pray that as we celebrate the holiday, that that's where our focus would be, was on the birth of Jesus Christ into this world. Uh, I can tell you some things that I am comfortable with, celebrating, not only on the 25th of December, but every day of the year. Um, I don't see it as a bad thing to have a day set aside to remind us of certain things. That is a biblical principle that God himself instituted with his people. And certainly the birth of Jesus Christ uh, is something that is worthy of that. And I believe that Christmas should remind us of some of those things. If we're going to celebrate like the world and with the world, then let's not call it Christmas. Uh, If we are going to celebrate Christmas and retain that which Christians for centuries have have tried to keep focused upon the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, then let's do it proudly. Uh, And let's make sure that that is the focus of what we're doing and not allow our celebrations to become worldly celebrations with the name of Christ tacked on to them. Um, I also appreciate the opportunity. Uh, that Christmas affords many times, when people will listen to me, talk to them about Jesus that would not listen to me at any other time of the year. I can't see that as a bad thing. I uh, won't we'll call any names, but we have even uh, even right here in our own church, uh, you know, there was a gentleman here on Christmas Day that that's the only time we ever see him, but we see him every Christmas day. Uh you know, I wouldn't say that that's the best habit to, uh, uh, to pick up as far as your church attendance, but I'm saying I'm glad that if we don't have him any other time, I'm glad that we've got him that one day that we can give him the truth about Jesus Christ coming into this world to die for his sins. And So there are things that I believe, and I just want to give you three things quickly this morning that I believe that makes Christmas worthy of our celebrating. If we're celebrating the birth of Christ Now, first of all, what is it that we're celebrating, and how should we celebrate it? We're celebrating the prophecy that was fulfilled at the birth of Christ, that God had given his people for hundreds of years. As a matter of fact, it goes right back to thousands of years, right back to the Garden of Eden, when God promised that he was going to send a Messiah into this world. Now, I want you to just think as we talk about the celebrating of the birth of Christ Think about the accuracy of all of those prophecies that were fulfilled. I gave you the illustration, I think it was maybe two or three Christmases back, uh, that uh, I remember reading it was uh, uh, in one of these scientific facts and figures things, and, uh, and it related to the fact of, uh, of the chances of Jesus Christ uh, simply fulfilling, I think it was, nine prophecies uh, in the Word of God and how that that, the chances of that was one to, I think it was, the 17th power. That's a one followed by 17 zeros after it. Now, how big a number is that? Uh, Well, the illustration that was given there was that uh, if you took a half-dollar piece, which would be about the same size as one of our 50-pence pieces thereabouts, and if you took that and if you took enough of those to make one to the, uh, to the, to the uh, 17th power, that you could take the state of Texas, which is a big state, folks. It's about the same size as the country of Spain. And if you covered the ground with those things, that you would cover the ground, I think it was about a foot deep, uh, just to get enough of the 50-pence pieces, the odds of Jesus Christ, uh, of a person coming and fulfilling those prophecies, Uh, And yet, there are many that would still choose to believe that it was chance. I believe that it is worthy for us to celebrate. And as we celebrate the birth of Christ, let's celebrate the prophecy. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1, reading down to verse 6, we find that uh, that Jesus Christ uh, would come and that he would come in the, uh, in the lineage of, uh, of David himself. Uh, the Bible tells us, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. It shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither approve after the hearing, of his ears. Isaiah chapter 11, I'm reading from. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove the equity for the meek of the earth, and he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked, and righteousness shall be girdled, the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. Isaiah was prophesying that the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Uh, Would come from the line of King David, Isaiah chapter eleven verses one to five. Well, in Matthew chapter one verse one, we see the fulfillment of that prophecy. The book of the generation, verse one, says, "The book of the generation of who? Of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham." Down in verse six of Matthew chapter one, we find, "And Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias." You see, the prophet Isaiah, 700 years at least before, prophesied that uh, uh, that this Messiah, this one that was going to come and be king, would come through the lineage of King David. The Bible tells us very clearly as it begins its opening pages of the New Testament that that Messiah came from the root of David. We find that uh, uh, the, uh, the prediction was always made, the prophecy Uh, which you'll find in uh, uh, both Isaiah chapter 40, uh, verse 3 and 5, and then in Malachi 3, 1, readings that we tend to to read every year, uh, that uh, uh, this one that was going to come would be uh, preceded by one that would announce his coming. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3 says, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. In verse 5, he says, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord shall have spoken it. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord, when ye seek, shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. So the Bible not only predicted that Jesus Christ would come to this earth through the lineage of King David himself, but it also predicted that just before his birth that there would come another one, a cry from the wilderness that would be proclaiming his coming. We find that the fulfillment of that is found in Matthew chapter 3. He says in verses 1 to 3, "...in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Do we know that this was the fulfillment of the prophet and Isaiah? Well, just in case you might miss it, the next verse says, for this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, if you would, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. We find that it was predicted that he would come by the lineage of David, and he did. It was predicted that there would be one that would be born just before him, that would be crying that cry in the wilderness, making a way for him. We find that it was also prophesied by the prophet Isaiah that this one that came would come by a birth like no other that had ever been, that he would come and be born of a virgin. Isaiah seven fourteen, therefore the Lord shall him shall give a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And, of course, we know that uh, uh, that that did happen. Uh, The fulfillment of that we read about in Matthew chapter 1, uh, verses 18 to 20. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. that Jesus Christ, who we know to be the Messiah, that he would come to the lineage of David, that there would be one come before him that would be preparing the way and crying that call in the wilderness, that he would be born like no other, that he would be born of a virgin, conceived of the Holy Ghost himself. The Bible even goes on to tell us precisely where that one would be born, The prophecy says in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. The Bible prophesied, you know, you think of all the towns and villages that it could have taken place in, and yet there was this little, insignificant shepherd village God said, that's where it's going to take place. We find that in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. We find that God told us. He told us exactly what line, what family that he would come through. He told us exactly the events that would lead up to his birth. He told us how he would be born through a virgin. He told us where he would be born in the town. And, of course, we find that as we begin to look into Scriptures that there has never been nor never will be another person that could fulfill those prophecies. I simply say to you this morning, folks, that's something to celebrate. And as we celebrate Christmas as we celebrate the birth of Christ, let's celebrate the fact that we have a God that told us well beforehand exactly how it would take place so that we could not miss the event, so that we would know with absolute certainty, and all of those were fulfilled within him. And do you know what? The nation of Israel knew that this event was going to take place. And of course, we know that because of that, that there was great anticipation, anticipation over that prophecy being fulfilled. First of all, in anticipation of this forerunner of John, we find in Luke chapter 1, verses 12 to 17, And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife, Elizabeth, shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. Many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, He shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. You see, God's people anticipated that what the events that God said would take place, that they would come and that they would take place. And there was great anticipation over the birth of this one called John, but there was also great anticipation over this one called Jesus. In Luke chapter 1, verses 30 to 37, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. The power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Behold, thy cousin Elizabeth... She hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. You see, there was great anticipation. Mary, she said, wow, you know, this this doesn't even make sense. How can this possibly be? And yet, nothing. Just as it was impossible, Elizabeth was well past childbearing age, yet she bore a son because God's prophecy was fulfilled. Mary had never been with a man. There was no way that a normal, natural birth could take place, but nothing is impossible with God, said this child is not conceived of man. It is conceived of the Holy Ghost himself. So I say to you, if if we're going to celebrate Christmas, if you choose to celebrate as I celebrate then I would say that we need to celebrate the prophecy that was fulfilled at the birth of Christ. We're celebrating the fact that God had a plan and God brought that to fruition. And in Jesus Christ, we see all of God's perfect plan for us falling into place. But not only celebrate the prophecy that was fulfilled at his birth, but we need to celebrate with praise for the birth of Christ. People want to celebrate in all kinds of ways and there's lots of ways to have fun. And most of us, (coughs) pardon me, most of us eat too much food. Uh, Most of us spend too much money on things that are really not essential. Uh, Most of us do a lot of things that are not, but I'm saying to you in all the celebrations, if there is going to be a celebration, and if that celebration is going to be worthy of what I believe biblical principles would be, then we need to be celebrating the prophecy that God brought about through this one called Jesus, and we need to be celebrating with praise. You see, when Jesus Christ was born, I can tell you that in the Bible, there was honor that was expressed by the praise in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 49, and Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. We look at those verses last Sunday, I think it was. Why? For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. You see, at the birth of Jesus Christ, the celebrations that took place then was the honor that was being expressed, not for what we've done and how we've done it, but honor expressed for Him, honor expressed for God, honor expressed that God would choose to do such a work in us mortals. Not only was honor expressed, but I want to tell you at the birth of Christ, there was hope. That was expressed by praise. In the very next verses, there in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 50, it says, And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed strength with his arm, he has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts, he has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath in his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, to his seed forever. You see, the truth is we can celebrate in a lot of ways, but I'm simply saying to you, if you choose to celebrate Christmas, if you choose to celebrate the birth of Christ and we need to be celebrating the prophecy that was fulfilled in our Savior. And we need to be celebrating with praise. I'm not saying that it's wrong to have a nice meal together and that it's wrong to, to give gifts to show that you care and that you love. But too often, the praise of what really took place and what it is that we're celebrating, it loses place. It's worthy to celebrate. They celebrated with praise for the honor, for the hope. And I would encourage you to do the same today. Celebrate the prophecy fulfilled at the birth of Christ. Celebrate with praise as they did at the birth of Christ. And thirdly, celebrate the purpose, the purpose for the birth of Christ. You see, first of all, the birth of Christ brought a perfect standard to this world that it had never known before. Not says mankind had first sinned in the Garden of Eden. Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says, And Jesus, when He was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and, lo, the heavens were opened to Him, and He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon Him, and, lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is My beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. We could look at many things here. We could look at the incarnation. We could look at literally the Word becoming flesh. We could look at the fact that it was the the truth, the glory of God Himself that was being manifest in this one called Jesus Christ. What I'm saying to you is we can celebrate because at the birth of Christ, there was a perfect standard like no other that was brought to this earth. That's a good thing but it had a purpose. You see, but the purpose of his birth goes way beyond just the perfect standard that Jesus, you know, we can't praise him high enough. We can't reach perfection enough. There aren't words to describe the holiness of this one that was born. And yet, it came for a purpose. You see, it took a perfect standard to be the perfect sacrifice. He didn't come just to be the perfect standard, just to be the great example. He was the perfect standard, and He was the greatest example that ever was. But that perfect standard that was that great example to mankind, it was the perfect standard so that He could be your personal Savior. You see, the birth of Christ, it did bring a perfect standard, one that would finally be able to fulfill all the laws of God, God's standard that no man had ever been able to. He was the only one that was ever able to be the perfect sacrifice because the birth of Christ brought a precious Savior to this world. Luke chapter two, verses 11 to 14, for until you was born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. He was the Savior. Yes, He came as the perfect standard, but He came as a precious Savior, as a personal Savior for you and for me and for all the generations to come. And that's the only way that man will ever know that peace. That's the only way that peace will be found. And that brings us back full circle to the verse where we started, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call His name Jesus. Why? For He shall save His people from their sins. So celebrating Christmas, if you're going to celebrate Christmas, and I will not argue with you as to whether you should or shouldn't, but I do believe that there are some principles that we can certainly say, that if you choose to celebrate as I proudly do, unashamedly do, then we need to celebrate the prophecy that was fulfilled at that birth what God did, and that Jesus Christ, there was nobody else in all the world that ever could fulfill all that God said would be when he sent his son. We need to celebrate with praise as they did at the birth of Christ. Honor to him and hope through him. That's what the birth of Christ brought to us. We need to celebrate the purpose of of that birth, the perfect standard that could fulfill the perfect law of God in every last detail, the precious Savior that came to save sinful men from their sin. I'd like to close with just an illustration of a story that I've tried to really condense it down. If you've never read the book called Peace Child, then I would highly, highly, highly recommend that you read it. Not that many years ago, folks, 1962, I mean, I was alive then, and many of you were. Missionaries Don and Carol Richardson, they went to New Guinea. They went there for the specific purpose to take the good news of Jesus Christ to a group of people, a tribe called the Sawi. Now, the Sawi were a head-hunting tribe, (laughs) Uh, They were a cannibalistic tribe. They actually used skulls of their victims as the pillows to lay their heads on. When Don Richardson wrote the book about his experience, which he called Peace Child, he says that he began his work among the Saulwee by reading through the Gospel of Matthew, reading some of the same verses that we read here this morning. But as they read through something that really that really took him by shock was that when he got to the part about Judas betraying Jesus Christ, everyone began to cheer. Everyone was excited over what Judas had done. And of course, he didn't realize and found out that in their culture, that when someone was honored, it was built around treachery the one that could be the most devious, the one that could be the most treacherous was the one that would have the greatest respect of the tribe. He began to search. He said for every possible means to to explain the the gift of of, of God, the the truth and the pure love to to a people who everything good in their society was based on deceit. Then one day he witnessed a ceremony between two warring tribes. One of the chiefs of one of those tribes walked over to the other chief and he handed him a child, a young child. In fact, it was the chief's own son that he gave to the other chief. Now their custom had been that peace was, could only come between two tribes if the chief of one of the tribes would give his son over to the people of the other tribe. That child would be called a peace child. In other words, this chief was actually placing his own son in the hands of the people that hated him, in the hands of the people that were his enemies. But it was the only way that would bring peace between two tribes. Don Richardson said when he saw this act, before the light came on, he saw the way to be able to bridge this gap that he had not been able to bridge to help these people to understand what God had done for them, that God had given his peace child and he'd given him into the hands of a a hostile world in order to bring that hostility to an end. You see, the angels here declared peace on earth, goodwill toward men. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, the celebration of Christmas is about God giving us a peace child, taking His own Son, and placing him into the hands of his enemies, of a hostile world. And many would treat that child with hostility. But God said all that would receive him, all that would accept him, they would have life everlasting. So, you know, I I don't want to get into the debate and the arguments with people. Let everyone have their own personal choice and decisions in the celebrating of Christmas, the celebrating of the birth of Christ. I personally do not think that it stemmed from some pagan thing. I think that Christians with good intentions maybe chose this time of year because it was a time again with all the others, the other festivals that had to do with light in the midst of all of the darkness, that it was maybe the best time of the year to show the world the greatest light of all in the Lord Jesus Christ. But just show respect for those that would choose not to do so. But I want to encourage you today, there are biblical principles for celebrating. If we're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, then let's celebrate the right things. Let's celebrate the prophecy that was fulfilled when Jesus Christ came into this world, when he was born into this world. Let's celebrate with praise, as they did at His birth, honor to Him and hope through Him. And let's celebrate the purpose of the birth of Christ. God sending His Son as the perfect standard to fulfill the perfect law of God so that He might come, the perfect, precious, personal Savior of each and every one of us. Father, we thank you today. Lord, we know that it's a time when many may be tired and weary from the holidays and all the hustle and bustle and traveling and things that have been going on. Oh, but I pray, Lord, that we could just be reminded with these very simple thoughts this morning. But Lord, if we're going to celebrate something at this time of year, I believe there is no greater celebration. Celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, while the world might be celebrating all the various things that they choose to celebrate, we celebrate the birth of your Son into this world. Lord, that fulfilled your prophecies completely, totally. Lord, that when he came into this world, he brought praise, praise that would honor him, praise for the hope that it gives to us, and Lord, as we celebrate this morning, Lord, to celebrate the purpose of why Jesus came. He did come as a babe in a manger to be the perfect standard of all that man could ever hope to be, but he came for the divine purpose to be our savior, to die on that cross, to be resurrected the third day, that each and every one of us lord have that hope of life of life for eternity with you because of him for it's in christ's name we pray amen and amen